Welcome to the How Soccer Explains Leadership Podcast, where we explore leadership principles through the lens of the beautiful game. Welcome back to How Soccer Explains Leadership. Once again, I am Phil Dark, your host. Very much appreciate you being part of the conversation. And as usual, I'm excited to be here with you. And as usual, because we have a great guest with us again today. And once again, we have a guest who is a little bit outside of the soccer arena. He is a football player, American football player, that is. He's not the uh, European style of that, but he is playing in Europe. So it's kind of an interesting twist on what's everything going on. So he's got a unique perspective that, not unique, but it's rare, perspective of a of an American playing American football over in Europe. He's written a leadership book that we're going to talk about today. And he's just a guy that I, I've, I've enjoyed getting to know a little bit, and I hope you will enjoy getting to know him too on this show. If you haven't done so already, go ahead and rate and review the show. Subscribe wherever you're at as well. Join the Facebook group because that's the best place to connect with us. And there will also be, as as uh, probably as when this whenever this airs, we're going to be having some special content that will only be on that Facebook group. So I encourage you to go and sign up there. There will be opportunities for you to dive deeper into a lot of this stuff that will be somewhat exclusive to that Facebook group. Also some word of mouth stuff that we'll be doing. But uh, d- jump on there, and that would be a great place you can continue the conversation. The one other place you can do that really easily is on my email at phil at howsoccerexplainsleadership.com. So without more from me on that, Zach Hoffman, how are you doing? I'm great, Phil. Appreciate you, appreciate you taking the time to have me on. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this too. I'm excited for this conversation because, like I said before, it's it's got a lot of nuances, fun, cool stuff. So the first thing I like to do whenever we get a new guest uh, is to ha- let you uh, share your story a little bit. Most people probably don't know who you are. Uh, so if you could just share your story, how you developed your passion for American football, leadership. Definitely. So basically, I am a uh, retired player. I just stopped playing in 2018. And so now I strictly coach and I really focus my attention to the youth. Uh, I've really found kind of my passion coaching the the younger generation here in Europe. And so I started playing American football. It's kind of a, a funny story how I how I got into football in Europe. I was playing in college in the States, a small division, division two school in Pennsylvania. And I kind of hit a point in my life where I realized that my ultimate goal, which is, you know, most athletes' goal is to reach the highest peak of their sport. And I realized that I wasn't gonna you know, reach my goal of going to the NFL kind of hit me all at once. And I kind of saw my life going down a path of normalcy, I guess you could say, you know, the typical four-year degree, play, play sports, you know, play football, enjoy your time, get out, start working. And I always knew that I wanted more for myself as a person. You know, I guess one of my biggest fears ever since I was young is this fear of, you know, just kind of getting lost in the shuffle of life. And so I knew I had to make a change. You know, my passion was still with football and American football, but I knew a change was needed. So I made a huge choice, a big risk. I ended up dropping out of school my sophomore year of college, went back home with my mom, started living, working, going to community college, just because I knew something had to change. My ultimate goal wasn't going to be reached. Little to be known, I was kind of kind of stumbled upon it randomly. My mom at the time was working for a company that helped foreign exchange students from Europe come to America to study. And she had kind of mentioned to me about, yeah, these kids coming over from Europe and kind of sparked my interest a little bit. You know, I've never, I wasn't, I've never been to Europe at that time. And yeah, so I just started Googling. I said, huh, I wonder if they play American football in Europe. It just kind of came across me. I knew they played soccer though. And little to be known, there was uh, football teams over there. And there was actually a website where you can, you know, upload your highlights and film and various coaches can look and, you know, maybe recruit you to play over there. So I said, what the heck? I did it. Two weeks later, I had an offer to go to Poland. And honestly, I was scared to death because I I didn't know anything about Poland, anything about Europe, really. And so I I, I wasn't going to do it. I said, you know what? I'm comfortable now. I'll just wait another year. I'll work the construction job I was working and I'll see what happens. But then it kind of hit me that this was the moment I was waiting for. This is the reason why I left, you know, the, my situation in college, because I knew that I needed a change. And so I, you know, despite backlash from, you know, my parents and, and other people, I knew that I had to do this for myself and I would regret it if I did it. And so 
Long story short, I've been in Europe ever since, since 2012. I've ended up playing in five different countries, Poland, Germany, France, Italy, Austria, where I currently live at the moment. And it changed my life. And it gave me the opportunity to be where I am now without my those experiences and without that initial decision to step out of my comfort zone, I wouldn't have never been able to write the book that I did and accomplish the things that I did, that I currently did and that I plan to do in the future. So it's just really opened my mind. And so that experience and that decision was such an important time for me. And that's why I encourage other people, you know, if you're going through a time in your life where things are uncertain, don't get satisfied with comfort because you have to step out of that in order to reach your full potential. And there's so many people athletes included, former athletes who have potential outside of their sport, but they don't, they fail to realize it. They're afraid to step out of that realm. And so that's something I just encourage people to do. Step out of your comfort zone. And that's kind of my short version story, but I just, I'm so passionate about it because it's given me so many opportunities that I would have never, ever had the ability to achieve if I would have limited myself to simply being a college athlete and then working a job afterwards. Which, you know, is a path a lot of people take. Nothing wrong Absolutely. with it. I know you're not, you're not saying that. Nothing wrong right. with that yeah. at all. Yeah, but but it's just something that, as you said, you needed that that next thing, and it wasn't uh, kind of yeah. that norm, and, and that that's fantastic. And and you talked about the book that you wrote, which is Swiss Army Leadership. Is that available kind of wherever books are sold, the typical, on Amazon and anywhere else? Or where is yeah. it available? Yeah, it, well, it's the thing. It, it's being published by a company, a publishing house, a small publishing house in the U.K., account okay. LR Price Publications, and it will be out in bookstores in the UK starting in uh, this 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 spring, actually. So this spring, summer, so August, July, August, and it will also be available on Amazon as well. Um, but at the moment, it's not currently available for sale on Amazon. Okay. But I mean, after, I've been giving people free digital copies, whoever's interested. So whoever here is interested, I can send them a copy. If they shoot me a, a message on Instagram or email, I'd be happy to send it for free. But like I said, it, it's in the process, but I'm looking forward to its release for sure. All right. Fantastic. And what, what would that, what's your handle there for uh, Instagram or, or Twitter or wherever they could reach you on? So Instagram, you can reach me at Zhoff, Z-H-O-F-F-1-2, Zhoff12 on Instagram. Just shoot me a message and like my page if it's okay. And also my email at Zach, Z-A-C-H at S-W-A-L leadership at gmail.com. Perfect. All right. So folks, you heard it there. You can grab a free copy of that book. What a great, generous offer. Thank you, Zach, for that. And if you want, just go ahead and reach out to him there. He'll shoot you a copy of it. And uh, otherwise, you can you can grab that uh, hard copy of it on Amazon in the next couple months. So you can grab the hard copy of it there. And I encourage you to do so, even if he sends you that free copy, support him the other way too, to, to buy that book and give it away to somebody else if you've already read the the digital copy. So with that, though, I do want to get into the the meat of it a little bit. You know, you talked about the experiences you had. I mean, five different countries. And if I remember correctly, let's see if I see how I passed the test. You said Poland. Was it Germany? Was I right there? Italy? Yeah. Yeah, correct. Yeah. And one more. One more. What was it? One more. France. Uh, France. So point being, which is what I thought, all different languages, too. So different cultures, different languages. You know, some people will speak English, but it's kind of a, you know, a novelty more than anything. And they might want to be working on the English, you know. But what that really is is shown is the importance of, you know, as a quarterback, which you which you are, you have to be pretty, right. pretty mobile, pretty agile, pretty quick on your with the mental thinking. And with intercultural competence, you got to be really agile and adaptable as well. Can you kind of just discuss that that idea that as you're living in these different countries, you're learning all these different things. You know, you've obviously written a book on the Swiss Army leadership. So just tell that general idea of the Swiss Army leadership, why you titled it that. I think we can kind of get it a little bit there, just if you know what a Swiss yeah. Army knife is. But can you just talk about the book generally and just that mm-hmm. idea, that general idea of intercultural competence and the importance of that in our leadership? Absolutely. Like you said, the book is based on the uh, metaphor of a Swiss Army knife. And those of us who know what that is, it's a tool that's adaptable. You know, it's able to accomplish many tasks. And what I found is that being in these different countries, you have to be a person who models yourself as a Swiss army knife. I guess you could say you have to be able to reach people and more importantly, earn their respect. And when I say earn their respect, that's done in different ways from what I've noticed in the countries that I've been in. I'll give you an example for when I was in Italy, in South Italy, I was coaching a youth football team there. And 
the culture is very laid back. It's a coffee culture. You know, people are out all time. The weather's great. And if you attack them as a coach in kind of an aggressive manner and, you know, try to like a totalitarian kind of strategy, it's not going to work because they're, they're going to realize that, hey, this guy is not the type of person we want to be around because it's just not what they're used to. However, when you go to Germany and Austria, you know, the northern part of Europe, that's more accepted. You know, they're more business discipline oriented. And that's something that I learned by, I guess you could say, learning by doing. Because as a player, as a former player, you know, I kind of had the mindset when I started coaching as a player. So I was kind of kind of the hardcore kind of coach because, you know, I thought that, hey, this is how I played the game of football. It's a tough sport, so I have to coach that way. But it was totally wrong because the kids were not kids. The, the young men were just not they just didn't take to it because it wasn't what they were used to. And so this made me really think about, wow, it's really important to before you step into any role as a coach or a player to observe your surroundings first. And what I mean by observe, and that's actually part of my book, one of the tools I say, observing. Observing the people you work with. If you observe how they take to certain, then adjust and react and adjust your leadership style in order to reach them in the best way possible. And what I've learned is to listen to each individual. If it's, you know, it's time consuming, but it's so, so important listen to their story because there's a reason they're playing the sport that you're coaching there's a reason they're they're in this situation so it's important to understand their motives and their goals because once you understand that you can adjust your leadership strategy in order to help them reach their goals because that leads me to another tool relating to people everyone every country i've been to it doesn't matter people love to be related to it, be related to each other in one way or another. And what I mean by that is they want to know that if they're struggling with something, there's been someone else who struggled with that as well and who can sympathize with them. And I believe as a coach, as a player, when you can sympathize with your, with your, with your players and your teammates, that earns respect. And once you have respect, then, you know, the, the possibilities are endless because I think that's any athlete's goal any player at a high level or any coach to have respect from their peers. And so this book is based on various stories that I've experienced in these countries, similar to the one I mentioned about in Italy and how I was able to earn the respect of my teammates and uh, my fellow colleagues in various different manners. Some, like I said, some, some ways I had to be the outgoing, you know, upbeat guy who joked around. And then in some other situations, I had to be the serious guy, discipline, and shouldn't to the, you know, their goals. I don't consider myself an expert in leadership, anything like that. I don't even like the term expert because I feel when you say you're an expert, you're limiting yourself. You're saying, oh, I've reached my potential. So I feel like those who, you know, who are really developing are the ones who are constantly striving to, to learn more. So like I said, I don't consider myself an expert. I just, I just you know, th this book is based on experiences. Yes, particularly in the sports field and the sports realm, but I believe they apply to all aspects of life. Because as you know, as a, as a soccer player and coach, you know, sports teach us so much about life and we can learn so much about them. And even people who don't play sports, I believe can learn from athletes and coach and the experience they had, because I believe there's a lot of carryover. And so, like I said, I'm really looking forward to the book coming out. And I think that it has a potential to, you know, just kind of open people's eyes to the world and, you know, kind of give them a more global perspective on how humans tick. At the end of the day, true, we're all human. We all, you know, kind of, you could say we all kind of are made the same, but the way we are brought up, our upbringing, our atmosphere makes us different. And so I believe it's so important to recognize those differences and accept them and then adapt your leadership strategy accordingly in order to get the best out of your team. Yeah, that's something we talk a lot about on this show, actually. The the idea we you know, we talk a lot about disc and the personalities, the different personalities that we have. Mm -hmm. Um, and how we need to really meet people where they are, understand them, study them, understand who they are, how they're wired. And it really, it's our job to speak their language, right? Same way going to Poland, your job is not to go in there and just start speaking English and expect everyone to adapt to you. Yeah. No, you go in there, you learn Polish, or, you know, you suffer the consequences, quite frankly. That's right. We don't, we don't see that 
oftentimes. I talk and talk about that with culture, with personalities. You know, it's the same thing. You know, we, we go into a culture, you go into Poland, and you don't speak Polish, and you don't just try to speak English and go, hey, how come you don't understand me? What? You get an interpreter, right? You get an interpreter. Yeah, absolutely. The same thing goes, yeah. really. We need interpreters for culture. Sometimes we need interpreters mm. for personalities. My wife has the opposite personality from me, and I talk to her <laughs> all the time about, hey, help me understand this. I'm going and I'm, I'm with someone who's more reserved. I'm very outgoing. And she says, well, you know, you might want to say this. You might want to say that. If, and she also says to me after the fact, hey, do you realize what you just said? And I go, yeah, I said this. She says, that's not what everyone else heard, you know, which is really important. And I think that we need to know that we need to have people who care about us for that after the fact, you know, feedback. But hopefully we can learn ahead of time. So can you just talk about that? I want to talk about that and just camp out on that a little bit. You mentioned it briefly, but the idea mm-hmm. of really earning respect, you talked about the earning mm-hmm. respect, but when mm-hmm. you don't speak the language, when you don't speak the culture, mm-hmm. you know, so to speak, and you know, it's, it also goes, you know, these same principles will go to if you don't really understand the personality of whoever you're connecting with, but there's some overlap, obviously, but there's a mm-hmm. lot of differences in each of these countries that you're living in. So what does that look like to earn that respect, which you have to do as the quarterback or you're not going to be effective, but also as a coach, you got to earn respect or you're not going to be effective. So how are you able mm-hmm. to do that when you don't speak the language and you're not fluent in the culture either? Yeah, great question. And I'll just say there's in Europe, American football is a little bit different. Sometimes you'll have to be the quarterback and the coach. I remember I had one, one, one season. It was actually in Poland where the coach quit halfway through the year. And there's like, they said to me, okay, Zach, you're going to also call the plays and you're going to coach the team. Wow. So for me, the biggest thing going back to your initial question, body language is huge because they're, they're observing your movements and your actions, how you react to adversity when, when something goes wrong, how you react to when things are going well. I, I noticed that even though probably half the time they didn't understand what I was saying, they read my body language and my tone of voice. And, uh, you know, that goes to posture enunciating your, your voice because that portrays confidence. And when you portray confidence, even if you're faking it sometimes, you know, they're going to be more confident as a result, even if they don't know what you're saying. I believe body language is so crucial and even more when you're working in cross culture, because Oftentimes, there's going to be guys who, you know, don't understand what you're saying and you can't expect them to. And I believe the biggest mistake is to go into a situation and kind of expect people to just adjust to you and how you were born. And I believe what I've seen, I'm not trying to, you know, say it to everyone, but a lot of American players that come over here, that's exactly what they do. They come over here and like you said, they just expect people to speak their language, expect people to know what what they, what they eat, when they wake up, what they like to do, their hobbies. And it just doesn't work like that. And so that comes back to observing, opening your mind. And even if there are times when you don't feel as confident or you're unsure, portray, portray the, with your body language and your voice that things are in control because they recognize that they're, they're smart too. You know, they're smart people. And so they, they, they're just like us. They read the things we read. We look at body language too. We look at how people talk. We look at eye contact, you know, handshaking, portraying confidence with your body can go a long way. And that's something I, I learned. And, you know, there also were times where I didn't portray great body language and I was, I did get down and I did get frustrated and they immediately recognized it. And then who then sinks the atmosphere of the team and the, and the mood of the team. So it's, you could say if the same thing happens in the States, except, you know, we communicate a lot through verbally and words. And I would say in Europe and across culture, it's really through body language. It's emphasized to another level because sometimes that's all you have to communicate with someone. Yeah. And, you know, I want to ask this. I wonder if it, I want to know if it's, if you've seen the same thing in, in Europe, but I, I also know when I've, traveled the world and talked to a lot of different people in a lot of different countries. And, and I've gained respect through what you've talked about, you know, that, that Mm -hmm. confidence, that, that ability to show via body language and whatever other ways you're able to exude that. But I've also found the other side of it also gains respect, which is, and it's similar to here in the U S as well, but the showing that humility, that humble learning posture as well to say, I don't know. And I don't understand. And can you help me? And mm-hmm. it's not a, it's not out of weakness. It's actually out of strength to go, 
I know what my strengths are, but I also know when I don't know, I don't want to fake it and then reap the consequences later. Do you see that as well? Absolutely. And you, it may, you bring up something, a memory to me too. In Austria, it's really, cause there are a lot of players who are, you know, they come to practice. They're coming from soccer. A lot of players come from soccer and they try American football and you tell them to do a drill for catching. And they say, well, why am I doing this? <laughs> and you have to explain them why. And there are sometimes someone asks me certain drills and I'm like, to be honest with you, I don't have a, an honest answer right now. I can't tell you why. And there've been times that, like you said, it's the worst thing you can do is try to fake, try to be fake with what, you know, Mm -hmm. it's best to just be upfront and honest. And if you don't have the answer, say, Hey, listen, I don't have the answer now, but I'm going to get it for you for the next practice. I'm going to find it out for you. That, that goes so, so much of a long way. And like you said, it's not easy because you have to humble yourself. Uh, as an individual who's maybe been playing the sport or coaching for a long time. And I think that's exactly what you were saying. The worst thing you can do is try to fake, you know, facts, fake with fake things that you don't know and just say, say things because they realize it or they'll go do the research themselves if they realize you're not giving a straight answer. So that humility is so huge. You're absolutely right. And I, and what, and especially here in American football, I think in it with soccer, it's the opposite, but there are so many American players who come here and they have much more experience. They played the game of football much longer, American football, that is. And so they come here and with a sort of cockiness and the best thing you can do is show that, Hey, I'm one of you. Yeah. Maybe I played the game longer. Maybe I'm here as a professional getting paid, but I'm one of your teammates and we're at the same level. And I think that's been a really powerful thing too. That could be as something as little as cleaning up after practice, picking up the, the, the cones or anything like that. Little things that show you're part of the team and that humbleness really, really goes a long way. And it's something here with American football that a lot of American players, they don't realize at first, you know, they come here with a big ego, understandably so. And they, they don't realize that they're losing the respect of their teammates, even though their ability may be above, you know, the European players, the fact that they're not humble and that they're showing a bad attitude is going to bring down the vibe of the, of the team. So that humbleness is huge. Exactly what you said. Yes, I agree. Yeah. So, you know, going with that, this is just kind of a fun little question, but in the U S if you're playing soccer at the pro level, oftentimes the broadcasters and other people may be saying, well, it's not, it's not quite football. It's kind of the (laughs) lesser sport, blah, blah, blah. Right. In -hmm. Europe, it's probably the flip side of that. I'd imagine. Absolutely. It's, it's, you know, it's kind (laughs) of like this, what in the world? And what I say to people is you, you dog on the things you don't understand, right? And I think there is a mm-hmm. lot of that, that the Europeans just don't get the full extent of it, same way a lot of Americans don't get the full extent of the sport, and that's why they don't like it is because they don't really understand it. To say it's boring, you don't understand the nuances. It's like if you talk to a baseball fan, they'll say, well, you just don't get it. And I'll go, no, I get it. I just don't think it's exciting most of the time, but that's okay. I can appreciate it, and I appreciate why people do. But how does that feel over there in in Europe playing this sport that is clearly an American sport. And it's one that a lot of people not only don't understand, but they're, they kind of, you know, stick their nose up to it. What, what does that feel like? <laughs> yeah. I guess you could say karma because I remember <laughs> when I was in high school, we would, for the American football team, when we would practice, if it was always, we would have first dibs on the field. Mm-hmm. So if the soccer team was practicing, we would, it was okay to just kick them off the field and go on. However, here it's the exact opposite. <laughs> if you want to practice American football, you either have to pay for the field, the club has to pay, or you get maybe like an hour time slot before the field, before the soccer team comes. But I will say that what I've really came to appreciate about soccer in Europe is just how passionate people are about it. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how people, it's really a part of their life. They, they really prioritize their, their local team like it's, you know, a family member or a wife, it's really, it brings people together. And it's an amazing, for me, like I said, I was one of you, like you said, I always thought soccer was boring. However, ever since I've been here, I love watching it. I'm looking forward to the Euro cup that's coming up this coming year, hopefully this summer. And so I just, I love how it brings people together and you're exactly right about American football. It's the exact opposite. You know, you come here and people were, you say, oh, American football, cool. 
but you know, isn't that kind of only crazy people play that because it's too <laughs> aggressive. Uh, <laughs> I've had many people say that to me, but in the end it's, uh, you're, you're exactly right. It's the exact opposite, but I see it, like I said, as karma from all my years of living in the States, playing football, American football. I come here and, you know, you get kind of the treatment that you gave the soccer players. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So maybe you can relate a little bit to them. I, I coach soccer at the high school level, so I know the feeling of not being able to use <laughs> the stadium field because football is there and our football team is really good. So they usually go to state finals, which, you know, you don't ever want to root against your team, but sometimes we were like, we want a stadium back, you know. That's something that's that, that every soccer coach out there in America is shaking, you know. Yep, I, I know what you're talking about there. <laughs> absolutely, 100%. So we, we absolutely know that's the case. But, you know, to kind of go back to a little bit of what, what you mentioned earlier, too, that you your career ended a couple years ago. Playing career, that is. Not your football career, because you're coaching still. But, you know, what, what have you mm-hmm. really learned about life? That's, that's a, that is a... Mm moment that every athlete you know not remembers exactly where they were but you remember finishing playing at that highest competitive level and football is Mm -hmm. one of those sports that when you stop playing football competitively you're pretty much done playing tackle football with pads most people don't just pick it up and go and play an adult league someday like you do with soccer or tennis or golf or you know softball or whatever it may be right so what have you learned about life and leadership from that transition, from the end of your playing career, you know, especially since your career didn't, as you said, it wasn't your plan A when you were growing up. So as it comes mm-hmm. to an end, you realize that's never going to happen and you learn these lessons. What were some of those lessons and what did you learn about, you know, just yourself and leadership from that? Yes. Uh, great question. And yeah, this is definitely you know, there's two sides to this. A lot of people say, you know, don't have a plan B because it takes you away from your plan A, which, you know, I can understand. However, there are so many of us who simply aren't going to play at the highest level, even if we're striving for that our whole lives. And my biggest mistake is I didn't have a plan B. I didn't set myself up for when I was done playing football. I kind of considered myself as a, a privileged guy, a privileged athlete, where I kind of said, hey, I played in these countries. I was a quarterback. I was the leader of my team. Someone will hire me. I'll get a job, you know, kind of this blind faith. And I, and I didn't set myself up. I just knew I said, okay, 2019 is going to be my last season and we'll see what happens. However, I stopped playing. I was 27 years old, never really worked a real job outside of, you know, the, the jobs I was playing football. And I went through a very difficult time for about two years trying to reinvent myself. And one of my biggest mistakes was identifying and limiting myself to simply my athletic ability. I I identified myself as as a football player, as an athlete my whole life. And that's all I ever really wanted to be. And I didn't really have any other hobbies. That's really all I concentrated on. Sacrificed a lot, but it was a mistake in the end because it put me in a situation where you know, I was finished playing. I knew I was coaching, but you know, it wasn't the, it didn't give me what I needed, you know, financially and and the fulfillment I was looking for. And so it was a very difficult two years that I went through. And the lesson I learned from that is how important it is to be a leader of yourself before you can lead others. And what I mean by that is if your life's not going in the right direction and you're not prioritizing your own, you know, mental, physical health, how can you expect to, to, to be a leader of others? And I was kind of doing that, though, because I was still coaching these, these young players as I was going through this difficult time. And it, it made me realize that, you know, I went to practice a lot of days and I had to fake and to fake, you know, being a leader, being an effective leader, because I just simply wasn't in the place to do it. I had too much stress trying to figure out what I was going to do with the rest. And so I think that that process, as we speak, is still kind of ongoing. What I, I've kind of, you know, kind of focused my, my attention towards this leadership development and writing. It's something I've really taken to and I really enjoy. But what, what I hope athletes learn that I work with and whoever's hearing this is it's great to have goals in athletics, but understand that it doesn't last forever. Your body's going to fail you at some point. Someone's going to eventually tell you, hey, you're too old. You can't play. You're too slow. Your body's not at the level it needs to be anymore. So what do you do next? What do you do next? So start building those habits and start finding those interests now, even while your playing career is going on. There are a lot of players who 
are great players, but it doesn't mean you're going to make a great coach. And so there's got to be a plan B. And so that's why I, I believe, you know, it's so important to just understand that you have to put yourself in a position to succeed outside of athletics. And that's what I call leading yourself. Lead yourself first on and off the field. And then when you're done, you can focus on the off the field part even more because you're going in the right direction. And then you're in a position to step into another leadership role, whether that's in the sports realm or business, whatever, but your habits that you've developed and your passions have been in progress the whole time you've been involved with whatever sport you were. That's something that I failed to do. And it really, I mean, it's hard to say I regret it because, you know, it kind of forced me to hit rock bottom and grow from it. But I think a lot of people, a lot of young athletes, a lot of young players can get a head start on their future outside of sports if they kind of adapt that plan B mindset. Absolutely. Like you said, a lot of people say don't even have that, but it's wisdom. There's wisdom in there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not to, mm-hmm. to not go and put everything toward that plan A and that goal and whatever you really want to do and put everything you have toward it. That's not what it's saying. It's saying that it's 1% of 1% that's going to go play pro. I think it's even less Absolutely. than that. But it's, it's a ridiculously low number. So to be wise... And to say, and it may be that you have the ability to, and you just choose not to as well. So that's mm-hmm. where that, that next, you know, and don't even call it a plan B. Just say, here's the different things I can do, right? Absolutely. These ideas and just be dreaming about what life can look like. But I think before that though, even more, even, even as foundational as, as that idea of just planning is the idea of knowing your why, knowing your purpose, knowing mm. what you're here to do. And, you know, it seems to me, a lot of it you talked about leading and, re, you know, writing and so on, it's impacting others with leadership skills to be able to help them to flourish, which is, it's my why. But it sounds like mm-hmm. you have a similar wiring there. Would that, would that be a correct assumption there as far as your yeah, why behind what you're doing? Definitely, here? definitely, Phil. And, 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 and exactly what you said, because what I realized is, you know, we live in a society where we prioritize physical things, you know, whether that's, you know, earning a a solid income, having a nice house, the comforts of life. However, if you continuously work in your life and it's all about you and it's all about, you know, improving your life, you're eventually going to hit a point where you realize, well, I'm a believer of this at least. You're going to hit a point where you realize this isn't enough. This isn't what, this isn't all there is to life. Life is about impacting others and living a legacy and leaving a legacy. Because at the end of the day, we we're all on this earth for a very short amount of time when we put that in comparison with, you know, time. And so what are you going to be remembered for when, when you're no longer here? And for you, it's going to be teaching these skills to teaching these leadership skills to the, the next generation. So they can hopefully take part of it and then carry it on again. That's true legacy. You know, a lot of people talk about heroes and legends in sports, but I think they, they speak more of just stats and, you know, you know, breaking records on the field. However, what I've come to learn is it's so much more than that, because at the end of the day, people are only going to remember what you taught them and, you know, the type of person you were. And that's true fulfillment. You know, I'm not saying that the other things aren't important. Obviously, financially, finances are, are important in life. We all need that. That's how the world works. But if that's what your limitations are, you're going to be a very empty person at some point or another. From my experience, just talking to people and even personally. And I, that's what I realize now is that coaching for me is now a platform and sports have become a platform. You know, I don't coach to teach people, to teach kids how to play American football. I teach it because it gives me a platform to teach them lessons that will therefore, you know, help them in life and in their leadership roles and their future roles. And I think that's, when you really get it as a, as a former athlete and as a coach and as a person, you realize that, hey, this life is more, more than just about me. It's got to be, you know, long lasting and reach my impact has to reach others. And then therefore their impact will reach others. And so it just carries on. And that's what I feel like a true legacy is. And I feel like those of us, those of us who are really striving for, you know, really, really becoming satisfied with ourselves and our, the way our lives are going or the ones who are, Hey, obviously, like I said before, leading yourselves, but understanding that it's got to be more than just about me. 
once in my set, once I have my priorities, my habits in line, then, okay, I need to step out and I need to teach this to others. So they can therefore carry that on. And that for me is true, uh, is true legacy. And that's also what I write in my book. I say, leave a legacy. That's the main catchphrase you could say, because that's what I truly believe it is about. Legacy is so much more than what society says it is. You know, it's not just about stats. It's not just about, you know, what you have, the physical things you have. It's about what you give emotionally. And I think you can relate as well, being a coach. I'm sure you work with a lot of young athletes. So I'm sure you understand what I'm talking about. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's why I do what I do. It's why I coach. It's why I do this. It's why I do everything I'm doing is to help others to to understand these principles and to be able to flourish themselves. I mean, that's the thing you talked about there. I mean, you talk about leaving a legacy and having it be about others. You also talked about self-leadership. And a lot of people think, oh, well, that your self-leadership, you're just talking about narcissism. It's all about you. And that's to, to the contrary. <laughs> Right. And exactly. you said that. And, and I want to make sure that people hear that, that the distinction is you are leading self so that you can lead others effectively. If you aren't healthy yourself, then you can't healthily lead others. It's just it just Absolutely. won't happen. You will you will do more damage than you want to do. And you won't even know you're doing it if you're not healthy yourself and you'll burn out and then you're no good to anybody. So that's what they say. I mean, it, that's the whole analogy of the. The airline, when the oxygen mask comes down, put on yourself first and then put it on the, That's right. and the people around you because you can't, you're no help to them if you pass out and you're useless. Right. So absolutely. And that's the reality with us. A lot of us are passed out and useless as coaches and as people, because we're not taking care of ourselves. We're not getting the sleep we need. We're not getting the, the healthy, we're not getting our exercise and the eating and everything else that we need, as well as reading the good books. You know, as they say, drink, drink deeply from good books, mm. John Wooden, a uh, phenomenal quote from him. So mm. Those are the cool things. Corey Close, who was recently on our on our show, said, you know, the things that matter are not the national championships and the title. And this is coming from a woman who coaches at UCLA. So they know national championships. And yeah, absolutely. she said it's and she heard this from somebody else and she got it from somebody else. But it's who you are impacting and who you're becoming. That's what matters yeah. and how you're doing yeah. it. That's what matters. So with that. I want to move on a little bit here or not move on a little mm-hmm. bit. I want to move on to the uh, idea of, and you talked about it. It really goes to the conversation we had about moving on the end of your playing career. That's one area where you need mental toughness, but also during the game, as you're going mm-hmm. through this in practices, in games, in different area times of life, when you're hurt, when you may not get the start, when you may not get that letter from the school you wanted, whatever it is, what talk about the importance of mental toughness and resilience in sports mm-hmm. really at every level I and mean, particularly when life throws you those curveballs but even when it's just going the normal life the importance mm-hmm. of resilience and uh, I, I i've said recently to several people i think we have a pretty soft culture here in the u.s especially and i think mm-hmm. western europe's probably similar that we don't yes. do this as well as we should so why is it so important how can we do it better and what does it look like yeah. Yeah. So definitely mental toughness is, is a huge thing, uh, especially in American football, because there's going to be times where you're going to be in pain. You're going to get hit. Uh, you know, in American football, I was saying, you know, everyone can throw and catch, but until you put the pads on and take the first hit, then you really know if this sport's for you. And that's, that's so true because the physical pain we're going to experience in this sport it, it has to, it has to eventually, it has to be mind over, over body eventually. And I believe that that translates a lot into, into actual real day life because maybe not physically, but there's going to be situations where you're going to lose your job. Hopefully not, but it could happen. You're going to lose a family member. There's going to adversity hits us in life. And I believe that sports go a long way and pre- they can be a platform to prepare us to better, you know, kind of handle the, the situations that real life comes, obviously I'm not trying to compare them because at the end of the day, we play a game, whether whatever sports you're yeah. playing, it's a game. However, we can use that is, is I guess kind of a trial run for, for life's adversity. And so mental, that's one way mental toughness can really, from what my experiences really kind of transfer over into real life. And another thing with me, I would say, I always kind of consider myself an underdog. You know, I'm kind of a small guy. I'm not your typical, I'm, you know, I'm five foot nine, 170 pounds. Not a guy you would think is, wow, okay, he's a quarterback or he's a football player. 
And so I kind of use that as a, I said, okay, I'm lacking in physical, uh, not ability, but lacking in, you know, physical stature. So I have to accommodate that with being tough physically and mentally. So every time I step on the field, whatever I'm lacking on the field, I make up for, you know, a mental toughness and, you know, the heart that I have when I play the game and how I try to lead others and my teammates. Because at the end of the day, you know, mental toughness is, it's easy to talk about it and say it, but until you're in that situation, you're never really going to know how you're going to react. And that goes to what I said before about stepping out of your comfort zone. It's the same with sports. You know, there eventually comes a point where you just got to go for it. You know, as you know, as a coach, those players who are passive and are afraid to make mistakes are likely going to make mistakes. And those who say, you know what, listen, I'm just going to go all out and we'll live with the results or the ones who reach their full potential. And it's the same in life. And that's easier said than done because a lot of times you're going to go all out and you're going to fail. You're going to, in soccer, you're going to turn the ball over in football. You're going to throw an interception. You're going to make mistakes and you got to react from that. But until you, until you put yourself in a position to make mistakes, you're never going to know how you react. And that goes back to society too. There are so many people from my experiences who are comfortable in their, their life. You know, they sit back and they're afraid to, you know, go all in. And that's why they're not mentally tough because they are never in a position to be, they're just, they're content with being comfortable. So when adversity does come, like it does for all of us, they, they're not ready to handle it because they never stepped out of their comfort zone. And so that's what I mean, going back to sports, use it. And, you know, it's hard to say this as you're playing, because a lot of people just enjoy playing and they want to have success. But when you really step back, you can really, you know, prepare yourself for, for life and what's to come. And a lot of times I think we realize it as athletes after the fact, you know, probably during the, the time we're playing, we're just focused on that. But when we, you know, when our careers are over, we sit back and maybe we observe as a coach, our other players, we kind of notice those situations more when the time to become mentally tough is. And like I said, that's why sports to me is, is, an, is just an amazing, regardless of the sports you're playing, because it's really a preparation for, for the real world. And that's why I love working with the youth, because they're kind of at that stage where they're growing up, they're becoming men, and they're going to start experience this kind of adversity. And so I believe I take responsibility to try to emphasize that, that, Hey, you're going to, you're going to get tackled. You're going to get injured, but how are you going to come back from it? Because life goes on and it's the same, the game goes on and it's the same with life. Life goes on. Yeah. And, and the reality is you said it earlier. I mean, we're playing games here, so it's soccer, football, yeah. <laughs> baseball, whatever, right? We're playing a game. If we can't handle the adversity and overcome the adversity there, what's going to happen when we, you know, lose money later in life or we lose a job and it's, you know, our family's on the line and we have a house mortgage payment and other things going on and you get that unexpected. And if we can't deal with it in the game, it's going to be really hard to do it later in life. And so we can learn these lessons in the game so that when they happen and the stakes like really, really matter, like we're talking life or death sometimes. And we're talking your family being on the street versus being in shelter. That's when the rubber really meets, hit, you know, hits the road. And, and that's where we can practice. We're basically practicing through our life through these games. And if we as coaches don't see that, I think we're missing a massive part of coaching and of being able to mm. do what we can possibly and, do. Yeah, absolutely. Just what you said there, I was just going to tell you, I, I see, I, I, I look back at, you know, previous coaches that I've had and other coaches and, a lot of them are missing it because they, they don't emphasize that they they're so concentrated on wins and losses where they don't understand the big picture. And they're, they're stressing, you know, the game so much to these kids and how important it is. But in, the, in reality, it's not, it's just not that important. You know, I wish I could say it was because I've dedicated my whole life to playing sports, but it's just not that important. It's important in the sense where, it teaches you for what's to come later in life. And like you said, if you're a coach and you're not doing that, then you're doing your kids and your, your players a disservice because like we just talked about before, there's a, there's a, there's a very good chance that none of them are going to become professionals in that sport. They're going to become professionals in, in, in other aspects of life. And so I believe that it's really important, even as a coach to tell your, your 
players that, hey, listen, at the end of the day, we're just playing a game, guys. You know, give your best ever, but at the end of the day, this is just a game. You know, life is much more than this. And obviously, I get it. At the professional level, it's different because their their livelihoods are on the line. So I get it. But I'm talking, you know, at the developmental stages of the sport. I think we as coaches need to do a better job. And there are a lot of coaches who, who, who do get it. But we need to do a better job of letting our players know, you know, the realities of life and that, hey, this is a game. It's important because you're investing your time and energy and your passions. But at the end of the day, it's going to be eventually you're not going to play this game anymore. Yep. And life is going to come at you. Yep, definitely. And and what is it teaching you about that when life does come at you? And I can tell you, you know, one of my great friends, he's like a brother to me, and, and he, he played eight years in the NFL and had an amazing career. The thing I'm most proud of him about him, though, he's an amazing husband. He's an amazing father to four kids. Mm. And he's now a, a math teacher, and he's going to impact so wow. many lives doing that. <laughs> And it's amazing. I just love, I love him as a brother. I love watching him um, do that. He's basically like a big brother to my, to my son. And, and that's what, honestly, if I'm looking at him and I look at all his achievements, those are the ones that I look at and go, mm. he gets it. He's a success. That's what I was just going to, exactly. He, he gets it. Yep. And so, you know, and I look at my kids and I go, what am I most proud of? You know, and there's a lot of things, there's tons of things, but is, is it, because they're a really good player or is it because they're a classy player with character? And when my daughter just decided to stop playing and how she did that made me so proud and just hearing mm -hmm. she's thinking about what she's passionate about and she's pursuing those things. And I'm like, that's what it's about, you know? And she learned Absolutely. a ton through sports and she learned a ton about resilience and she learned a ton about, you know, character and, and, and who she wants to be and who she doesn't want to be and all those things, which are, we can, we can absolutely learn these teamwork and leadership lessons. So, so on that note, what have you learned directly from the game of American football in this case, or from soccer, since you have experienced that quite a bit in the amazing European football world, but uh, what have you learned directly from the game that you've used in your other areas of life? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll start with soccer because we're in Europe. So what, one thing I learned from soccer is just the power it has as far as bringing people together who are maybe different religious beliefs, different views on life. But, you know, when they look at, they watch their team play there, there, there's a sense of togetherness. And uh, I would just wish that that would go beyond soccer. You know, I wish that we could find that kind of common ground with each other and not need a sport to bring us there. But that's one reason why I appreciate soccer so much is because the way it brings people together and it connects people from all over the world, really, because we all know soccer is the, the global sport, you know, in every country it's played and it's popular. And the people want to watch it. And when people cheer on their team, you know, they forget kind of the other problems that are going on uh, and their disagreements. They're focused on this togetherness aspect. And that's why soccer has really taught me about just, you know, the power it can have and the impact it can have. As far as American football, what I've learned from it is, is that it's not who I am. It's not who I am. And I always thought it was. I always identified as a football player. And I thought I was born to do this, but I wasn't born to play football. I, I put that I put that on myself because maybe I love the game or I think I, I put it on myself because I knew I wanted to help my family eventually when I got older. I wanted to, you know, my mom was a single mother. She raised us as a single mom and I wanted to give her a better life. And so I think a lot of times I, I played the game for the end game, the end result, even though it wasn't what I was ever meant to do. And while I'm thankful I played American football and I've learned so many things like talk about with mental toughness, physical toughness, adversity that have helped me in my journey, I realized that it's not who I am and uh, it's not what I was meant to do. What I was meant to do is still in the process of being developed. And I hope I, I feel like I'm headed down the right path. And I'm thankful because, you know, football's taught me a lot of things in life, like I just mentioned, but the most important thing it's taught me is it was just a part of my life. It wasn't my life and it's not what I'm meant to be. It's just my platform at the moment. And I don't know if that will continue to be my platform, but I think we can all kind of, uh, you know, all of us who never made it to a professional level or a high level of professional can take on that mindset and, and not put limitations on ourselves. Like I said, and just realize that the sport you play is not who you are and you're so much ca more capable of, of everything. 
That's a really good word for folks out there. And if, if parents of kids are, are here listening, you know, play that back for them. It's, it's not who you are. It's what you do. And mm-hmm. that's, that's a big difference. It's a really big difference. And, you know, and it, it can be something that is an amazing experience. But at the end of the day, if it's your identity, there's something wrong there. There's something mm-hmm. wrong there. Mm-hmm. So last question. We have this question. Those, these last two questions we ask everyone. I always love hearing these answers for different reasons. But what have you read, watched, or listened to recently that's Perfect. impacted your thinking and understanding of how soccer, American football, and other sports really do explain life and leadership? I would say there's, a, there's an influencer out there. His name's Ed Milet. I'm not sure if you heard of him. He, was a, he wrote a book. It's called 10X Your Life. And essentially, it's a very, very short book, about maybe less than 100 pages. But I really took to his story because it was similar. He was a, a very, he, he played division one baseball. He was a great baseball player. And then he had an injury and it kind of took his career away. And he went through a period, kind of what I went through of self, you know, exploration and self finding, I guess you could say. And the reason why I love his book is because I can really relate his story to mine. And he's kind of in a position now where I hope to be in the future. He's able to you know, reach people from all over the world with his message. And, you know, he's an author as well. Uh, obviously, he's successful financially, but the impact he's been able to have on others, especially athletes, I believe if you read his book, you'll, you really realize it, it connects with athletes because he was one himself and he kind of went through this adversity as well. And he came out on the other side of it. And uh, I, I kind of use that as motivation to write my book. There were times where I didn't want to do it or I didn't have the energy, or I was just had other problems financially, mentally, physically. It just kind of said, hey, if he can do it, if he did it with his injury at a young age, then what's my excuse? So I encourage, it's a really short book. It's on Amazon. It's like very cheap as well. But any athlete who's looking for for a good, quick read, that's a great book by uh, Ed Milet. It's called 10X Your Life. Fantastic. We'll have that in the show notes. We'll also have your book in the show notes with the way to get a hold of you mm-hmm. to get that uh, that copy, that online copy. So, mm-hmm. but thanks again for being a part of this, Zach. Thanks for for who you are. Thanks for what what you're doing to impact lives over there in Europe. I'm I'm really glad that we were able to meet, and I look forward to continue our conversation uh, someday really soon. Thanks, Phil. Like I said, I appreciate you taking the time, and wish you all the best. All right. Well, folks, thanks again for being a part of this. Thank you for, again, thanks for the download as always. But what I really hope is that you do engage this conversation deeper. Like I I talked about at the beginning, we can do that at uh, Facebook, at the Facebook group. Also email me, phil at howsoccerexplainsleadership.com. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I really hope that you reach out to me to not only let me know what really stood out to you in this interview and the other interviews. But how we can make the show better. Other guests that you think we can uh, we can have on the show, even if it's you. I mean, that's how Zach got on here. He reached out to me. He said, hey, mm-hmm. I, yep. you know, I'd love to, love to share some stuff with 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 your people. And uh, so we were able to do it. And I'm, I'm very glad we did. And I assume you are as well. So I look forward to those conversations online and hopefully offline at some point. But as always, most importantly right now for today, I hope that you took what you listened to, what you heard today, and, and you're able to use it. In, in your life to help your leadership, to help in all the relationships that you have and that you're able to use it to help you understand that soccer and in this case, American football really do explain life and leadership. Thanks a lot. Have a great week.